All right. Uh, Ben, we're under a lot of pressure. This is uh first words, first words of the first, first podcast. How should we begin this thing? Uh, well, I wasn't feeling the pressure until you just put the pressure on me, Paul. So I appreciate you always <laughs> uh, somehow um, adding kind of the, the blanket to the conversation. Uh, yeah. I think we begin with a hello. Greetings. You think so? Not something like that, big, like Genesis, like in the beginning. or the, you know. Well, we could start in a world. <laughs> and that's yeah. appropriate. In good that trailer. Dramatic. That's yeah. right. How about, I just wish I had the voice for it. How, how about welcome to the Reviewers Podcast? Welcome to the Reviewers Podcast. That's wonderful. Hi. I like it. We're on a mission from God. Welcome, everybody, to this, the first uh, episode of the Reviewers Podcast. And uh, I am uh, one of your reverend viewers. My name is Paul Burgess, and I'm here with my friend and fellow man of the cloth, uh, Ben Adams. Ben, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Good to see you. I uh, hope things are going well. Good to see you. Things are going great. I'm excited to uh, uh, to finally get this ball rolling. We've been talking about it for, for a while here, haven't we? We've been talking about it for a long time. We've been equipping ourselves for a yes. long time. I feel like all of my um, theological training, mm. all of my um, you know silver screen obsessions mm. are finally coming to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Our life uh, has been leading to this this point. Um, uh, the the Holy Spirit, I think, has been preparing you and and me both uh, for this pinnacle of our uh, vocational um, journeys and uh, just general life journeys. It doesn't get any better than this, friend. <laughs> that's that's what I that's what I am both so excited about in this podcast, but also so fearful of in terms of for my future. <laughs> That's right. Hope you like it. Um, well, Ben, it's this being the first episode, how would you describe this show? Let, give our listeners an idea of what uh, what the reviewers is about. Yeah. So, Paul, you and I both love movies. Um, we both have loved movies for a long time. Um, we, I think that both of us as movie goers and movie lovers have always tried to mine movies for deeper theological meaning. And so as movie lovers and movie goers, we're always looking deeper. And, and when you get that theological training, you, you kind of learn to look for God, no matter the scenario and no matter the setting. So I view this as a chance for us to take the movies that we love, the movies that we hate, the movies that we just happen to see, whatever it might be, and, and try to mine them a little bit deeper and a little bit more to understand uh, where God is at work in that story. Um, mm. this could, you know, I view this as something that, that could be helpful for other pastors. Um, it could be something that's helpful for families. It could be just helpful for people who are curious, um, about either theology or curious about movies and how movies can be interpreted. So I kind of view it as a, as a source for anybody. It's a, it's a buffet, if you will, of, mm. of opportunities for people. So, yeah. Hey, you're speaking my Baptist language, man. Buffets. I'm all in. That's what you That's what you do, man. This is the golden corral of <laughs> podcasts about movies. So, yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Hope you like yeast yeah. rolls. Yeah, I uh, love you. <laughs> yeah. What, what about you, though? What's your what's your reason for for this? You know, um, I, I think you summarized it really well. I've, uh, uh, you know, always, always loved movies. Um 
and and I I just find in them invitations to to think deeper. You know, movies are art, right? And art um, invites us to um, ask questions and search and uh, ponder um, heavy, weighty issues. And and I think whenever we do that, um, whenever we start thinking about life um, from any angle, uh, we're not far from God. We're not far from mm-hmm. asking questions about and thinking about um, issues of uh, of of the spirit. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I love that about movies. Um, yeah. I, I love how uh, even when you're not trying to say something overtly spiritual necessarily, uh, you still can be saying something spiritual because, you know, um, if, if there is a theme of love, then, then God is in that. If there's a theme of pain, then God is in that. If there's a theme of suffering, uh, or, or loss or, uh, redemption or forgiveness or sacrifice, you know, uh, God is in that. And so, uh, I just, I get excited about the idea of, of, um, finding, um, the fingerprints of, of these, these higher themes, uh, and stuff that, we otherwise might just look at as, you know, just normal or regular or anything like that. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's this, um, it's this kind of hermeneutic responsibility that I think that we have as pastors to, to Mm. be able to look at art, um, and to be able to interpret it. I remember I had a pastor, a, a, a professor at divinity school who always said, um, that the number one responsibility of a pastor is to be the, the readers of your community, the people who constantly read and who are constantly looking at the world around them and being mm-hmm. able to point people to God. The, the people, um, and, and we do that because the people who, who are the artists and are the writers, they're pointing the world towards something that they see. And our job is to say, that's what they see. Well, let me help you see God in what they see, even if they don't realize that they're doing it themselves. And so it just makes me think a little bit about that. Not only are we meant to be the, the writers of our community, but we're meant to be the viewers of our communities as well. Um, the people who watch um, and yeah. who look, who point. Um, yeah. Very John the Baptist-like pointing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. The viewers, well, yeah. the rev viewers. The rev viewers. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, well, I think we're off to a great start, my friend, um, in this pilot episode of ours. Um, you know, we, uh, we've got some more surprises in store for this show. Um, it might not always be, uh, just, just me and Ben here. Uh, we, uh, we have reverend friends and, um, I don't know how reverent they are, but, uh, but we have friends at least who, uh, who might be joining us, uh, in the future. Uh, but, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys, uh, joining us as we kind of find our feet here and, and, um, maybe these apocryphal, uh, episodes of our podcast. And as we, as we talked, we struggled, uh, to, um, you know, discern good church word, uh, what, uh, what would our first review be? And then, uh, ben uh, received a word from the Lord, which was uh, ingenious. Um, he said, this is Oscar season. Uh, why don't we just wait for the Oscars and we'll do whatever wins best picture. And so the Oscars, uh, as we record this, was last Sunday. Um, yep. And pretty much nothing else happened at the Oscars, right, Ben? 
No, there's nothing else to be talked discussed or talked about. I mean, like mm-hmm. there's there was a pretty um, boring version of the Oscars. I feel like there just wasn't that much excitement. So. There was not much to talk about at no all. one's talking about anything nope. the Oscars. And so the best picture winner this year was Coda. Awesome. Coda. Um, And uh, it's a beautiful choice. It snagged three awards. Uh, Of course, uh, best picture. It also got uh, best uh, original screenplay by Sean Hedder. I think think that's how you pronounce her name. If I mispronounce it, I apologize, uh, even though I'm sure she's not listening. Um, And it also snagged uh, best supporting actor for Troy uh, Kotzer. Yeah. and I, I think well-deserved. What do you think on that? Yeah, so I got to say that, like, of every award that's given out at the Oscars, this year, the one that I was keeping my eye on, the like, the most, and the one that I was pulling for the most is undoubtedly Troy Kotzer. Like, that was the one that I was like, this guy's got to win. I mean, the other things, you know, I, I was pulling for Kodo. As we spoke earlier, you know, we were talking about movies. Coda has been my favorite movie all year. Um, I didn't think it was going to win, actually, for a long period of time. I thought a more artistic film, which we'll talk about in a little bit, would win. But um, but if there was one where I was just pulling for the guy and I was like, this guy needs to win, it was Troy. Because his his role in this is just unbelievable. And it's just a beautiful thing for him to just be able to show and demonstrate that the fact that you don't necessarily have to have speaking parts from a vocal perspective mm-hmm. um, to embody a role and to, to live into just a, a beautiful character. So it's yeah. Great. Yeah. He, he did a great job and uh, he plays of course the, the father uh, in this, in this movie, the father who is deaf and um, his wife is played by Marley Matlin and mm-hmm. uh, she uh, actually received an Oscar, not this year, but, um, and I think it was her first starring or, or her first role uh, yeah. for Children of a Lesser God right. um, a couple decades ago. And so really, really neat that um, that both of them have um, Oscars um, and, and they're both uh, deaf actors. Uh, right. So really, really special. That's one of the special things about this movie is, is it's about uh, a deaf family um, and they use deaf actors uh, to um, portray that family. Uh, what yeah. a novel idea, right? Right. And it's so different because, I mean, as you probably know this, um, the children of a lesser God did not have all deaf actors in it, right? They used people who were, who were kind of, who were, who were acting deaf um, as opposed to truly deaf and, and, and acting. Um, mm. And so there, there's just a, a beauty of that. And I, I saw an interview with um, um, Marley that was saying that uh you know, she was, she would, she would never touch a movie like the children of the lesser God these days, like in this era, um, because of that. Um, mm. but she's grateful of the strides that Hollywood has made in order to make sure that the people who, um, that, that people don't, um, take on roles that highlight people either from the margins or persons with disabilities or whatever it might be, and make that be like a mask that they wear, a, a, a portrayal that they have to step into, but instead for people from that community, um, to, to play it themselves. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, they're talking so much about how representation matters and, and this is a great example of that. Yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of the plot of Coda, I will, uh, give uh, our, uh, listeners, uh, a bit of it, a, uh, plot summary in case you haven't seen it. 
if that is the case, by the way, just know we will be uh, spoiling this movie. Uh, we're going to talk about all of it. So uh, if you want to see it first, go to Apple TV, uh, Apple TV Plus and watch it and then come back and join us. Uh, but it is set in Massachusetts. And the summary is as follows. As a child of deaf adults and the only hearing person in her family, high school senior Ruby Rossi has always... Uh, always has a lot on her plate. Indeed, trying to juggle backbreaking work on her father's fishing boat, schoolwork, social life, and the family's expectations can be too much for a teenager. But do her parents know Ruby loves to sing? When Ruby signs up for the school choir, singing becomes a passion, and suddenly the talented young girl finds herself at a crossroads. Should Ruby spread her wings and follow her dreams, or should she keep fighting everyday battles as a member of the proud Rossi clan? Yeah. Makes you want what to watch, great, doesn't it? It's such a good plot. It's such a great plot. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly like not a, it's not complex. It's not, um, it's not far-fetched. Uh, right. It's not this thing with a twist or anything. And that's just what to me made it such an amazing movie and such an unsuspected winner for the best picture. Like, I mean, mm. I don't think that people three months ago were saying that Coda was going to win. No, um, I think that people thought that maybe in the past few weeks, because they can kind of like see where the world's right. like shifting and how uh, people who are, who are part of the Academy are kind of thinking um, and how other award shows go. I think they kind of read it off of that. But I think that if you had asked people three months ago, whether or not Coda would win something like this, uh, there'd be no way. And some people, because some people thought it was too simple. It was too simplistic. It was too predictable. Um, it was not a, uh, an art film. It wasn't like, you know, people would say it's not even like a film, you know, this is a movie. Um, right. 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 You know? And I think that's it's a beautiful thing that finally we not finally, but that we have that sometimes these simple just reflections of how beautiful life can be. Yeah. Are acknowledged for how they reflect the world um, right. and how, how they get, they shine light um, on just life. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And they don't try to make it too much. Right. They yeah. kind of reflect ordinary life. So yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. you know, uh, movies shouldn't be penalized for um, making you feel good <laughs> yeah. and, and presenting that um, yes, while life is complex and challenging and it can be dark and it can be um, very often not tied up with an, a, a neat little bow. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it can, and you know, those stories deserve to be deserve to be seen and, and heard. And um I'm really glad we got one in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So what, what are your initial thoughts on it? I mean, what's your, if you had to just kind of give it your first glance, like this is what I think about it. Um, what would you say? You know, it's funny. This is one of those movies. I told you, I, I, I only saw it this Tuesday and that's kind of because for some reason, this is a weird thing about me. I, but it speaks to kind of what you were just saying about the uh, sort of the, you know, maybe simplistic label or the predictable label or, or whatever else. Um, for some reason, I just, I never get super excited about films that seem this way on the surface, yeah. but it's yeah. also one of those things where after I see them, like I'm usually really glad that I did, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, 
I had put off watching it. I had heard that it was was good, and I just sort of said, okay, well, if it wins Best Picture, and I know that we'll be doing it, then then I'll see it then. And um, couldn't have been happier that uh, we we did that. Um, you know, I thought it, uh, yeah, it, it is unique among uh, many of the Best Picture winners, and in, in that, yeah, you can call it less artistic or, or or more of a of a movie than a film or whatever yeah. that's supposed to yeah. mean but um right but i i had a great time watching it i was totally invested in um in uh, most of the characters and uh i thought its story was was really compelling and and you know helped shed light on uh a a population a group of people that um i honestly don't spend a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, the, the the deaf community and, um, you know, a, a coda, a child of deaf adults. Um, I didn't even think about that ever really being a thing. And so I love it for the fact that it reminds me of how big humanity is and how, um, diverse our world is and how, uh, you know, we, we really need to, uh, walk humbly through life and be much more willing to to listen and hear stories than we uh, are ready to to go out and um, and just judge and, and think that we that we know everything because you never yeah. you never know what what somebody's dealing with um, in their home yeah. you know uh, yeah that's a long rambling way to say I liked it yeah yeah it, it's you know it's a it's just a fascinating movie to me for similar reasons like you just said i mean it was it's the it's an unsuspecting movie we didn't watch it for a long time um you know i didn't my wife and i didn't didn't see it for for quite some time it kept scrolling up on our um, apple tv plus kind of preview type things and uh and we never watched it and finally we did just sit down and watch it and um and fell in love with it and it struck a nerve for me and i'm trying to like pinpoint why it did you know and i think there's a there's a few things there um um one is something that we already talked about a little bit, just hinting that this is this feel it felt like just ordinary life. It felt like, you know, you compare it to some of the other Oscar nominees out there. And like those are it's the noir film that is, um, you know, Nightmare Alley. And it's the um, it's the the power of the dog, which is something that I don't think many people they the movie's wonderful but but it's not like relatable to every you don't like look out your window and see the power of the dog, you know, um, <laughs> uh, like what's going on in that plot outside our window but to me it felt ruby just felt like somebody who would be a, like a neighbor um like we'd be, it's like oh didn't i go to high school with her I, yeah that she was like a friend of mine and so i think that there's something about the relatability of the movie as a whole but there was something that struck a nerve too with me i have a i have a parishioner who's actually a member of the of the deaf community um and and she's young and her parents come um and her parents are both hearing and she's not um and so it, the roles reversed a little bit, obviously, but but there's a level of um, seeing this. And she's such a bright light, like every Sunday morning, she's just the, the 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 favorite person to run into because she's so warm. She's uh, hugs. I've learned a little bit of very elementary sign language um, just to communicate um, and just to, to kind of distribute communion. But, you know, um, you, I, I look at her now after watching that movie and there's just a level of, you don't, you don't realize just how beautiful, you know, you kind of look at thinking they, they lack something perhaps, you know, or that there's, right. 
there's something missing. And I think that if you know the deaf community and you've kind of done a little bit of digging on it and research, you recognize that the deaf community is a very proud community. Like they don't view themselves as lacking anything. It's just a, um, it's a beautiful group. And but to, but to bridge between the, the non-hearing and the hearing communities um, takes a lot of work and probably takes a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak. Um, and to see that family and how, despite the, the, um, the obstacles that exist perhaps between hearing and non-hearing, uh, there is a, a level of beauty and a level of grace with which they handle themselves. And so I just watched this movie and I, I thought of her and it just kind of rocked me a little bit. And then the other thing that got me, and this was, I think really got me is I'm a new dad. Um, ah. And so um, watching Troy Kotzer play this role as a dad who is um, seeking, uh, trying to get in his daughter's shoes and trying to understand what his daughter is going through and seeking reconciliation despite the, the things. I mean, it's it's a uh, that's that in itself has just so many kind of biblical uh illusions that are in there it felt like um with you know and we can dive deep into that but just his his performance and that's why i was pulling for him so much because i was just like that's the dad that i want to be right is like the guy who's um despite all the ah, gosh just so good there's so many scenes where he's so good in it so yeah anyways those are the reasons why i thought it was um why i'm so glad it won and it's been my favorite movie all year so Awesome. Yeah. Good, man. Well, I'm so glad that uh, that it, it's always good when the one that you that means the most to you is is yeah. the one that uh, that snags the prize. So yeah, um, way to go, Academy. Just way to go. Way to go. You, you guys, got it right. You got this one right. <laughs> like, yeah. Kudos to you. You know, uh, well, I'm, I'm still waiting my invitation to be a part of that group, but I just well, this is our way to get it. I just moved. I think that's the problem. I have a new address. Uh, I just that, moved. That's right. And that's so right. I just need to make sure my web uh, or my, like my, my home address is updated. Yeah. Go back so, to your old okay. mailbox. I'm sure you'll find the, the invitation. invitation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yep. Yeah, man. Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about some scenes then. And yeah. maybe that, that'll lead us into, into themes and talking about yeah, some, some sure. deeper theological points, but, um, sure. uh, what are maybe we can you do one i do one you do one i do yeah. one what what are uh what's a thing a scene that jumped out yeah. to you stands out yeah i mean i think it might be started smart to just start at the beginning um and the idea that you know these um this is a fishing family um mm-hmm. um and that that's where their livelihood is centered around that's what they know how to do um and uh, the, the dad even mentions at some point that his dad fished and that he fished and that his son's now fishing. And so it is a generational mm-hmm. fishing family. Um, and I think that that was the thing that grounded this movie in real life and grounded this movie a little bit in like the world of, of the working family and the blue, blue collar. Um, this is what we do. Um, you know, we, we work and we are, it's, it's, it's work life and family life. And that's kind of what we do. Um, mm-hmm. And we, um, and, and to me, there was just a level of, um, there were again, some ties that I thought about fishing scenes in scripture, um, mm. and, and how in scripture, uh, Jesus calling disciples, uh, from their fishing nets and from their fishing boats, um, showed that God calls the ordinary people, the people who necessarily haven't, haven't proved themselves, haven't equipped, aren't equipped necessarily to do the work that they're being called to do, but it just, that was the immediate echo that I saw there. Um, and so I love all the scenes on the water, um, of the dad, the son, and then Ruby also uh, joining in in the work. Um, 
and, and, and being on the boats. Um, yeah. I just think it, again, it grounds it in kind of real life. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, and, and there you go. Uh, much like Jesus calls the disciples to, uh, to leave, uh, their, yep. their nets and leave their boats. Um, you know, Ruby senses this calling to leave right. that, which has uh, been her family history and, uh, that which had been her life. And so I think a lot of the scenes that stick out to me are the ones that, uh, demonstrate what, what I think is, you know, one of the biggest themes of this movie, uh, which is, uh, differentiating yourself uh, from your from your family of origin, from uh, the life that you have lived thus far, and uh, and doing that in pursuit of the person that you were made to be, you know, in mm. pursuit of um, the future God has planned for you, whatever whatever label you want to put on it, you know. Uh, but um, you know that's that's the big. Uh, crux mm -hmm. of this story and so i think that that's encapsulated um in you know there are a couple scenes where uh she is on this on a cliff by the mm -hmm. water yeah. and and she she jumps and you know it's not like a favorite scene of mine necessarily because honestly it's kind of tropey like as right. i thought about it right. i was like you know what we see Jump we into see, the deep end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we see that a lot. So, so there is yeah. obviously the imagery of of leaving the solid ground, leaving what you know and where you know you're safe and secure. But you know, jumping into um, what you don't know, but but you know that there is some adventure there and that there could be something excess. So you know, that, right. there's yeah. that symbolism. But it made it made me think, as sort of as an aside, Ben. Do do you have any like favorite like cliff jumping scenes oh, be because yeah. i was like all these scenes started oh. to flood back into my mind absolutely yeah number one <laughs> goonies where they jump <laughs> off the boat i mean like that's like the epic thing um, yep. i mean it's the it's the idea of jumping wow. into the deeper waters it's like the yeah i mean again that's another biblical reference it's like go into the waters again go to the deeper waters right yeah. um, push yeah. out beyond the shallows and mm -hmm. the deeper waters that's that's the central theme but there are so many good cliff jumping jump into the water scenes oh another one the fugitive what a great yeah, scene yeah where he's at the edge and he has to dive uh, yeah where harrison ford we just watched that a couple weeks ago where he has to dive off out of like the little gutter the, um, the pipe thing. yeah yep and then dives down a waterfall and somehow manages to survive and they right. all you know yeah. well and that's it's the thing that, yeah that, that's the thing they always survive right no matter of what the cliff they, is yeah, you, yeah. you know you, you survive um uh, if they don't, uh, that would have ended the movie right there. And we would have been 15 minutes into this movie and there's no more of a storyline. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. They were, they, um, so yeah, one of the ones that, that I thought of, um, was, uh, was it, uh, believe it or not. Mm. I, I, uh, I, I, I don't remember I, the jumping scene. Yeah. It's, it's from the, you know, they, they split it up uh, in the most recent film adaptation into two two parts. It's from the first first one where they're kids, and um, you know the the, the boys. You remember, like you and I used to do when we were kids, uh, we would stand in our underwear over uh, the side of a of a cliff and talk about jumping in. Yeah, sure, did it all the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. Down by Holt Lake, that's where we we did that. Of course, and of course. Um, 
<laughs> and so, uh, no, the boys are standing there uh, on the edge of this cliff in, in their tidy whities and um, and talking about jumping. And then um, Beverly, the girl, uh, runs by them, and she's in her underwear and everything. She and she jumps, and they're all like, you know, this is this is this is the chick right here. This yeah. is you know, yeah. weird. Um, that one that one sticks out of me. You know, sort of as a as a coming of age type of uh, story and metaphor. I think about <laughs> I, I think about forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> Have oh. you, <laughs> yeah, you remember, where uh, Mila Mila Kunis jumps off just fine, <laughs> and then uh, Jason Siegel uh, jumps and yeah. and gets a little scared and and kind of um is clinging onto the edge of the rock and all that stuff. That's a great movie to mine for theological depth. <laughs> like oh. there's so much there. We'll have to add that to the list. We will. Yeah. We will add it to the list. I'm looking forward to it. But so uh, many jumping scenes though. So many beautiful jumping scenes. So many um but it, it, but it is a bit of a trope. It is yeah. a bit of a, a thing. So yeah. we kind of yeah. get it here too. That's yeah. right. That's right. But yeah. done well. Um other scenes. What else stuck out? Yeah. Um you know, I think uh, you know, I hate to jump um, to the to the uh, to kind of nearing the end, but there is a there's a sequence of scenes where it's the it's it's almost like the point of um, reconciliation. There's almost like three points of reconciliation between each of her and her her family, or or at least it's it might not be reconciliation, but it is an attempt to repair relationship mm-hmm. because she's got three unique relationships with her family members, right? I mean, she's got this um, she's got like the the father daughter kind of classic like um he cares for her deeply i mean it's like not the favorite child but there's just this level of like a dad's you know daughters have special places in their dad's heart right um and 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 that's that seems to be there there's this tension between she and her mom um um that is almost this there's always a third party in the room and that third party in the room is the separation is the fact that um her mom even confesses at the end of the movie that she had prayed that she was going to be deaf when she was, mm-hmm. when she was born. Uh, right. And then there's the tension between she and her brother, because there's um, we can, we can kind of mine into that in just a second. I do want to say a little bit more about it, but this three sequence scene of reconciliation is so important. Um, and is so good because it doesn't, everything doesn't tie up nice and neat necessarily, but, but things are addressed um, and things are starting to be, uncovered um, like the conversation with her mom you know there's a point at which you can see the the brother and the sister fighting it out and the brother is always frustrated because um it's as if their parents don't see him as being capable and uh, of of being able to navigate life as a deaf person and being able to navigate a a, a business as a deaf person right. and it's always she has to be there to be the interpreter right and and there's this interesting tension you know, this idea of, have you ever read the Nazareth Manifesto? It's, it's, um, it is uh, Sam Wells. He used to be the Dean of the Chapel of Duke. Have you ever heard no, of no, this no. book? You should, you should check it out. So essentially what, what uh, Sam Wells argues in the book is that, uh, it's very brief. Uh, in fact, it might even be just like a very long essay. I think it was a series of, 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 of uh, lectures that he gave. They turned into to a, a short book, but okay, essentially I'm the premise, you're selling me. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, short, that's good. Uh, the, the thrust of the argument is essentially that Jesus spent, um, before he did anything for the world by dying on the cross and before he did anything with the disciples, 
for those three years or so of ministry, he first was just being with the world for 30 years. And the idea of like Jesus's ministry, if you divide up into percentage wise, only 1% of his life is spent doing for, a small percent is doing with, and 90% of his life and his ministry in the incarnation is spent just simply being with. Mm. Um, and there's an idea and his argument is essentially that we as the church spend so much time focused on doing for when it was such a small percentage of Jesus's ministry on earth. And even doing with is better than doing for, but it's not, but it's right. always uh, with the purpose and the end in mind of being with. And it just, to me, it, 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 that tension is present between the sister and the brother, because it's as if um, she's always having to do for, and mm. sometimes I'm sure she does with when she's asked to join the family company and everything. And, and, and but, but really the, you know, he's frustrated because he's, he feels like she's, there's no dignity in his work and yeah. in his life. And it's true for the way that we do ministry, right? It's true for yes. the way that we work with the marginalized. It's true for the way that we work with people um, in any type of ministry partnership that we do is uh, a lot of times we just serve because we have the power and we think others need something that we can offer. And that's doing for when the truth of the matter is, is that we should be breaking bread together at the table yep. and not necessarily seeing like something I said at the beginning of this podcast, which is seeing the deaf communities lacking anything, right. but seeing them as, um, and all people as people uh, with whom we can grow together in shared ministry, grow together in, in life, um, learn from one another, um, and, and, you know, the reflection of the king. I don't think that we individually hold necessarily the image of God um, in all things, but I think that together collectively we reflect the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can't have the image of God without all pockets of the con- uh, yep. of the people yeah yeah you know absolutely sorry i just went way off um, no 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 you well i mean it connects really um well with i I was having a conversation um just before we sat down to record um for um the other podcast that i do uh the naked preacher podcast please check it out uh but i I was um speaking with a, a former pastor and artist named uh david hayward who um actually um um, writes and and uh, creates art under the, the the name the naked pastor and um he's big on questions and asking you know uh, that that questions are okay and we should encourage it more and i was asking him how we can do that better in the church because i think that um you know so many um are want nothing to do with the church because the it it seems so sure of itself and like, well, this is the place where you go to get all the answers. Um, not so it's not friendly for, for questions. And, um, and he said that what we, we need to do is kind of loosen our grip on, on, uh, the need to control the need to vision the need to come up with our five-year plans mm-hmm. and all right. this sort of stuff um the the need to how kind of like you you're saying how can we do for or even do with how can we do right. and instead just how can we be how right. can we be an open great. space um absolutely where where people feel free and feel safe to come with their questions, um, with, uh, 
whatever else that they might have, but without us feeling like we have to fix, so to mm-hmm. speak. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that's, uh, that was part of the, the brother's struggle with the sisters. Is he, he was not looking for anybody to fix uh, him or, you know, he, he didn't, right. he didn't need right. fixing, so to speak, need like right. totally. just let him, you know, he was trying so hard for his parents to, to listen to, look, I've got a plan about how we could do a co-op and how we can sell yep. the, these fish on our own and, and, and all that. And, um, and so, yeah, there, uh, I think there's definitely a message in there about us, um, letting, letting go and, and allowing people to be and, and find, uh, their way and bless their way. Yeah. You know, there's, I preached this, did you preach on the prodigal son this past week? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. Great. Which we can argue the title of that story all day long. Yeah. We're <laughs> not going to, but, but it's interesting. You know, I heard uh, one of my favorite pastors is Andy Stanley down in Atlanta. And, um, and I used a little bit of his, his, uh, his, his some of his material that I'd read and heard um, <clears throat> last fall. But he talks about the idea of like reconciliation can't be something that you force it upon someone, right? I mean, it's reconciliation. Our goal is, as followers of Jesus, our goal cannot be in repairing relationships, reconciliation, because reconciliation takes two parties, right? It takes mm. both d- parties deciding for themselves that they want to repair the relationship. So if I come into a conversation with you and my goal for us is reconciliation, it's like I'm bringing baggage into the conversation, a third party and saying, or I'm bringing my agenda for you. Right. Um, And there's a sense in which he always had his, the agenda kind of forced upon him as opposed to, um, uh, you know, the idea of like, no, we're, we're here and we're doing this together. And, and what my goal is, is to remove all obstacles between the two of us in order to repair this relationship. And I feel like in that final scene between she and her brother, but when he kind of says, you know, you should go off and, um, and pursue your, your, your dream uh, school, uh, there's that sense of, um, of the agenda being set to the side. And there's a true sense of like obstacles being removed that allows for honest conversation to occur between the two of them. Um, you know, so that's, that's, uh, another tangent, but I think there's so much to gain from that scene of she and her sister being reconciled to one another. Um, what, what's your next scene, man? Um, you know, once, honestly, when I think about this movie, I know one of the thing scenes that, that I'm going to think about, uh, and, and there's not necessarily a huge theological, you, you know, point here that I had to make with it, but I just know that, uh, I'm going to remember the scene where, uh, the mom and dad are, uh, meeting the boyfriend. Um, one of so the funniest it, scenes it was. of that, uh, the entire movie. Yeah, it was hilarious. And, and it made me realize how, um, what a, a robust and thorough, uh, language sign language is. I, I didn't Absolutely. realize that there, that there were signs for, you could um, turn but, off the sub, you could turn off the closed captioning and understand exactly what he was saying. Oh yes. Oh, it's yes. very apparent on the boyfriend's face. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really demonstrates my ignorance because of, of course there have to be words for, for all these different things, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, watching. What's your favorite uh, word in sign language that he said, Paul? Um, yeah. here, I'll sign it to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too good. Too good. Yeah. That's oh, uh, but, but yeah, so, so that was a scene. I think it, it demonstrated again, how, um, uh, Troy, uh, Cots really, uh, just, he, he really <laughs> shine, um, as a, um, 
as a, a, a humorous dad there and uh, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Rosie the actress that did uh, a great a great job as the mortified teen and um, so good yeah it was so funny you know I think that there's um, there might not be much to gain like in kind of mind theologically about it but just in the fact that that scene exists in the movie uh, might and the fact that that scene, you know, I was reading, reading an interview with actors um, and they were saying that, uh, you know, the, the, the director, remind me of the director's name. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, Sean Hader. Sean, Sean, right, right. It's spelled differently, right? Yeah, That's, there's like one of the, uh, an interesting like TP above the I or, or A or something. That was, that's the S-I-A-N. Yep, S-I-A-N, right. Yep, so I wasn't sure how to pronounce that, honestly. Um, but... Uh, with Marley Matlin in an interview with her, she said how grateful she was to the director for giving them the space and the freedom to sh- express their sense of humor and for it to not be a movie that sometimes, you know, if you're dancing around the subject of the deaf community or non-hearing community, there's a sense in which you have to keep it. Um, I don't want to say like not funny, but it ha- mm-hmm. it's, it's spoken about in more of a serious tiptoe around as if, as if the entire deaf community has no sense of humor. Right. And this was a part where it is absolutely hysterical. It is the funniest part of the movie, um, no doubt. And it's just, it makes you, it, it points to just a, a beauty um, there. I mean, it, like there's some things that they might, you might not be able to get a biblical story about it, but you can just get a glimpse into the beauty and the sense of humor that I think God has about things. Yeah, and that, yeah. You know, and that's enough. Well, and, that's and, enough. and, and, it just demonstrates like they're a family like I, I, they, right. they um it just felt so natural and and so um authentic and you know i'm i'm blessed to have a family that we got together and we you, you know we we laugh like that or or my dad you know tries to you know mess around and and do you know ridiculous stuff like like that it just felt it felt very uh very real and um yeah, I appreciated it. Yeah. So your par- are you comparing your parents to these parents? Is that the, because uh, I'd like to explore that topic a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to explore <laughs> okay. that. I think I know where you're going and that's a road that you can walk alone, my friend. Um. <laughs> well, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And thus the mortification of Rosie. And that, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, exactly uh, right. Or, or Ruby, uh, Ruby, sorry. Not yeah, Rosie, Ruby. Ruby. Yeah. I'm sorry. I called her Rosie yeah. a second ago as well. Ruby. <laughs> that's um, too funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, you know, one of the, one of the things, and this is the scene that got, gets me, right. I mean, this is the scene that literally I watched it by myself today. I don't know. It's overcast today and maybe it was overcast and maybe it's cause I'm at home. I'm working from home today and you know, I, I don't know, but it got me to the point where it was, I've never cried like this about a movie before, but that oh, wow. scene between Ruby and her dad outside and she's on the pickup truck. Yeah. On the pickup truck. Yep. Same. Here. Uh, so it is, I mean, to, to, for our, uh, for our listener, um, uh, mom. Um, so this, let me just describe the scene to you. It is yeah, basically, this is our moms are the ones listening. This is, so. Yeah. This is for our mom. Say hey, mom, we just do this for you. So the, the, the scene is essentially Ruby, um, is a is a beautiful singer she's got a beautiful voice and she has yeah. a solo in the concert and her parents go to the solo and they're trying to like follow along and the beautiful thing that the that the director captures in that performance 
is that the parents can't hear. So for a second, we as a, mm-hmm. um, as a, as a viewing audience have to go into silence as well and see what it's like to be at a concert for your daughter when you can't hear your daughter's thing. That's gut-riching alone, right? But the follow-up scene is even more so where she, he go, they get back home after the concert and he asks her what she was singing about, what the lyrics were, because she doesn't sign it on stage. She only sings it on stage. So he has no idea what the song is. Um, he's probably never heard the lyrics before or seen the lyrics before. And so he sings, she, she sings for him. She signs it to him and she say, or no, she doesn't sign it to him. Sorry. She just sings it mm-hmm. and he's able to read lips, but then he grabs, uh, he like places his hand on her neck um, and then kind of around her, like, uh, like, you know, kind of on her chest a little bit so that he can feel the singing. And it's at that moment where he truly sees his daughter as, um, someone with an incredible talent that needs to be shared. Right. And he, and he, and it's just this beautiful moment of like a dad, um, you know, who's never been able, who's, who's struggled and always wrestled with not being able to connect to his daughter fully because of the difference between hearing and non hearing, but is able to fully connect and see that his daughter has this incredible gift and really should break beyond the family business and pursue that career and that dream. And that's just, Ooh, that got me, dude. Yeah, um, that was rough. It was uh, ugly. It was just an ugly moment in the in the old uh, Coliani Adams household. We were just—I <laughs> uh, was not in a good place. So, yeah. um, I had to run that one yes. out. Uh, <laughs> you know, and they—the um, uh, the song was uh, "You're All I Need to Get By." Oh my god! Um, yeah, of course. And yeah. uh, you know, it was definitely the most prominent song throughout the throughout the movie because she's she's practicing it with her her love interest and um uh you know i'm still i'm still trying to figure out i I guess and think about why why that song and uh and and things i mean it 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 fit it she she sings it beautifully and 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 all that i'm um i'd love to to dig deeper into you know the the meaning of that and, and why that is but but yeah you're exactly right you know with um, where, where she, she takes the dad's hands or, or he takes his, puts his hand, you know, on her, on her neck and on her, you know, um, the top of her, of her chest or collarbone. And, and, yeah. um, so it's, can it's feel like the music, you right? feel, yeah, you yeah. can feel yeah. the, the chords and the vibrations and, um, and just sense that this is something that makes her alive and that she's gifted at. And then, then the very next scene is, oh. uh, is, she's waking up and he's waking her up. He's saying, come on, we, we got to go. And, and, uh, and they're going to her music audition because he, he recognizes like she needs to pursue this. She's, she's got to, uh, to do it. And, and they, they ride off, you know, to the, to the audition for this music school. And, um, and, uh, she's sort of struggling, you know, and then, uh, they end up making their way to the balcony and she sees them up there. And, uh, and, and again, this is where you, you, you might, there might be criticism about being it, it being a, a feel good, you know, schlocky type yeah. of moment or whatever, but it, so what, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's, she's singing her audition song, um, a Joni Mitchell song. I can't remember what yeah. it was. Both sides now. Yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. Amazing yeah. film music. Um, uh, yeah. It, it, um, yeah, the lyrics were, were very powerful for that moment. And um, but in that instance, uh, when she sees them, she does start signing. So she's singing and signing yeah. at the same time. And um, uh, yeah, it was just 
it, it was just a very, it was beautiful. It was um, a great way to just bring everything together. Yeah. There is something to me that um, particularly with that, the, I mean, both of those moments, right. Cause they're back to back. So it's almost like just this one, two punch of this moment between a dad and a daughter. Cause really it's the dad and the daughter connection that just shines. I think at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I think um, so. And there's a, um, you know, he's, there's something to me that is just, it was a re- reflection of the incarnation, I think mm-hmm. in that part of the movie, a, a father who's yearning to be closer to his daughter and will do anything to be present to his daughter. And just the, the, you know, there being a gap, there being a, a divide and bridging that gap. Um, and just the, the idea of, I mean, you know, the, 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 the whole crux being around the hearing and the non-hearing community and being able to bridge that um, divide between the two, to me, just reflects that division sometimes between us and God, that inability to necessarily, to not necessarily be on the same wavelength in terms of Mm -hmm. communication at all times. Right. Mm -hmm. And the way, the links in which God goes to um, through the incarnation to be present with us and to be present to our strengths, to be present to how we've been created, to, to feel our pain, to feel our suffering, to, to know our desires and to know that desire um, through Jesus to me is reflected in the fact in, in that relationship between the two. And then just to pull up those lyrics, I mean, you're all I need to get by. She sings this song to her dad and it's just, um, uh, I will go where you lead always there in your time of need. And when I lose my will, you'll be there to push me up the hill. Um, you know, you're all I need to get by. Um, it's just, to me, there's so many reflections there of our relationship with God. Um, not saying that Troy Kotzer plays God, but there's just a level of of echoes. I think that Absolutely. to me just are, are so beautiful. Um, and then and then she sings that song at the end, the the Joni Mitchell song in the audition, but and it, as a song of uh, it's 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 worshipful. I mean, it's this. Mm-hmm. It's this beautiful thing where it's an embodiment of this song and this love language and this love letter to her parents, um, you know, and the idea of just seeing from both sides now, being able to see from like her vantage point, but also understand what her parents have always been trying to do for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, the perfect, perfect song. So kudos to the people that directed this movie and chose those songs, too, as the songs that are like that the plot kind of features. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it there, there's a lot riding, a lot of weight that that. um is placed on those songs and if they don't work then um you know it it just wouldn't be as powerful um so speaking about songs then and and the power of of music one of the scenes that really spoke uh to me um was when she was with her um music teacher uh mr v Mm. um uh, who mm-hmm. I thought I thought he did a great job. Um, uh, that he was He's so good. Yeah, very entertaining uh, to watch. And um, Paul's right there. Have you seen him in other things? No, I was trying to place he, like what else he's been in. Um, I think his last name is pronounced Derbez, Eugenio Derbez. He is in Acapulco, which is another Apple TV. Oh, it's okay. a series. Brilliant actor. Excellent. Okay. And this is this was the, this was my introduction to him. But then it's one of those things where you hear somebody's name once, and or you hear a word once for the first time, and then you hear twenty other times right. in the week after that. He's he's all of a sudden like popping up all over our our um our kind of playlist and stuff. Awesome, and, and awesome. He's great. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'll Go check ahead. him out. No, no, no. Good, yeah. good. Um, 
Well, she, uh, Ruby is, is there with him and, um, she's having a hard time getting into the choir thing. She likes to sing, but she's not really done it in a public setting before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she says that singing, she tells him it's just her and him, uh, she and him in the room. And she says, singing is my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And then he says, he says, how do you feel when you sing? And Mm -hmm. she, she starts to sign the answer and we, and this is, I think this is, this is one of the only times in the movie that we that we have sign language, but we have no subtitles. So we don't know right. yep. what she's saying, but we can we can feel her yeah. answer too yep. deep for words. And yep. and I think that's um, to me, that's so beautifully uh, captures that the power of music and why music is such a gift from God, because I think um, words have their limits, you know, words Mm -hmm. are, are powerful and uh, they, they can do a lot and we need them. Um, But um, we have so much to speak about on this earth um, that, that God has created uh, that, words cannot fully do the job we we need we need uh access to a different plane um access to a different tool set and uh and music is that i mean we all know that that there's something that there's a lifting of our souls that happens when the right song hits or um you guys know uh, um I'm sure uh, what I have felt oftentimes after a, a beautiful anthem or something is sung. And, and then the next thing that happens is you go up there to preach and it's like, well, well, this is going to be terrible. Much to say, right? yeah. 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 Let that speak for itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I'm, I, can I just say amen and we'll leave Let's early because, right, yeah. um, yeah, that, yeah. So uh, that that scene was, was so powerful to me, and and I wondered yeah. how you connected with it because I know that you um, and one of the things, many things I've always been jealous of, of you about, in addition to your mustache, is uh, <laughs> is your uh, ability to play the piano. Um, for those yeah. we, we might not have established, but Ben and I are from the same hometown, and we knew each other growing up, and um, uh, we're friends and things. And so uh, Ben Ben's been playing the piano since you know, he was a little kid. And, uh, and, and so, uh, I I was curious to hear your thoughts on, on, you know, music and its ability to communicate on a deeper, higher plane. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't think sometimes I think that our, we have such a limited understanding of the ways in which God can speak to us. Right. We think it's through scripture. We think it's through words, like words that we know, um, it's why to me, there's, there's a level of just beauty in, in all of the art world. And there's a way in which the art world cracks open this whole different understanding of the ways in which God and the mediums that God can use to speak to us. Um, and this is a glimpse of that. That scene is a glimpse of it, right? Because she uses those beautiful, I mean, you know exactly what she's saying. Like, I mean, we, we, as, as the, even though we don't know, I'm assuming that you don't know much American sign language and I don't, I don't know much I, at all. I only know Japanese sign language. Oh, got it. Got it. Cool. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that one. Um, I don't know that, that world. Um, but the but the beauty of it is that she is there a Japanese. I don't know if there is. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> but she um, she she uses these gestures that you just know that that is you know what that means. And there's a way in which 
you, we think, I, one of the things that stood out to me is we think that we couldn't understand what people are, that, that the communication gap is far too wide. And in that right. moment, you're like, it's actually much, uh, much shorter than we think. And it's right. almost this invitation to just give it a shot to try yeah. to communicate. It pulls you in. But I also think that, um, but just in general, going back to the, the, the God piece about God using different mediums, um, music has always been one of those things for me. And it, it is a, it is a place of, um, devotion. I don't play as much as I used to. I actually did just play for about 45 minutes, um, before you and I, are t- and that's the first time I've sat down to the piano in, in uh, a few months. We've got a piano here. And, um, so funny you should say that, but I do think to me, it is a way of expressing oneself on a different plane, on a different medium, um, that, just that 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 connects in a different way i don't know anytime that you can find connection to one another anytime that we can find connection to nature anytime that we can find connection to beauty and to love i think that that's god speaking to us and it doesn't Mm -hmm. always come through words and it doesn't always come through written or spoken or anything like that um and i and i just wish i hope that the world and maybe this podcast contributes to it for people to see things differently um and to feel things differently and to to kind of take off the glasses that we once had and, 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 and look at the world a little bit differently. That's a good point, man. I, that's a, what a good scene. I, yeah. I, have, I have not written that one down, uh, but it is so good. Yeah. 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 I really, really spoke to me for sure. Um, what, what else, you know, let's keep, keep rolling. Any, uh, any yeah. other scenes or any other just theological observations, yeah. spiritual takeaways? Yeah, you know, I think I think that this is one of those movies um, that, while there are so many little scenes and echoes of 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 scriptural references, and there's there's echoes. Uh, this is probably un, obviously unintentionally. Maybe it's not unintentionally, but I imagine it is. Um, while there's so many echoes of scripture in the movie, it's also just the movie itself, mm-hmm. like the fact that it is highlighting the deaf community it is played by deaf actors it is um and it's breaking into a medium that the deaf community just i mean it's a movie right so it's like you know it's not necessarily always accessible to persons that can't hear um right and they're breaking into that community to me is just another boundary breaking level of the ways in which the, the the you know, we don't build walls. We just pull up another chair to the table. Um, and, and that's, that's what I feel like this movie is doing. And mm-hmm. for me, that is just, that's why I'm so glad it won. That's why I'm so glad that Troy Kotzer won because it's just an expression of us, man, throw your opens, throw your arms open wide and trust yep. that God's at work. Um, the yep. Holy spirit's at work in us, um, being welcomed into the lives of, of, you know, I'm not even going to say that it's like welcoming them to our table. It is, us being welcome into their world right, absolutely, um, yeah. because of this movie and us being welcomed and, and being a greater reflection of the kingdom of God. Um, hmm. So that's the big, that's the big takeaway from me. It's not so much to see in the movie. It's just the fact that this movie was made in one um, that I think is a uh, one step closer um, to the kingdom. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, what about you? Yeah. So, okay. The, well, there, there were, a couple things that, that I was going to pull out one Ruby said something at one point that really resonated with me, um, uh, as, as a preacher. And she says, I've been interpreting my whole life 
it's exhausting. Mm, wow. Amen. Ruby. Amen. Yeah. Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> ben is Ben and I say as a couple 30 something uh, ministers who have a lot of interpreting left to do. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I feel like I'm 65. And yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that, I, I don't know. It just, I don't know exactly what to do with it, but, but it, it, um, it hit me. And, uh, you know, it, it made me think about like, what is, what is the um, role of of preacher as as interpreter and um, and and what is how can that role be fulfilled in a way that uh, the preacher can um, not say it's exhausting that that he or she can can make it through uh, their entire vocation and it still be something that gives life and and joy and I think that perhaps one of the reasons it was so exhausting for, for Ruby is, is she, um, she was, uh, telling people were relying on her to receive exactly what the other person was, was telling her. And so, um, there's it, you know, they're trying to get a one-to-one type of, uh, interpretive, um, uh, you know, message. And I think that the, the sad thing is that is what a lot of people want from, uh, the preacher is they want, tell me exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Tell me what it means. Um, when, you know, we, we all know, even the scriptures that seem the most clear cut interpretation is interpretation. You're always coming to the text with, um, interpretation. Yeah. With interpretation, with your lens, Mm -hmm. with, with your context, with your life, with, with your background, um, with your assumptions, with your sin, with all this sort of stuff. And, um, and you know, a lot of people will, will get upset. They'll say, well, you're not, he's not preaching the word or, or, or whatever, but what they mean is he's not interpreting it the way that, that I, I want uh, right. him to, or, or her to. And, um, and so I think that, uh, yeah, like I said, that just, I, that's what I'm very grateful for a congregation yeah. that does not um, expect me to, um, to uh, speak divinely and inerrantly on behalf of God, but, but that allows me to freely, um, and unapologetically, um, interpret, um, and, and share, um, what, what is, um, in all my sincerity, you know, the, 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 um, the, the deepest and most honest message that, that I can, uh, mine from the Holy Spirit's guidance, but that I can still yeah. with humility own as yeah. my interpretation. And, um, uh, you know, yeah, it's interesting. It's just, I think that there's a, there's a posturing there that's just wrong, right? I mean, there's a posturing there that are, are that some, I'm like I say, our, our congregations, yours and I's congregations don't have, but that I know that maybe perhaps the, the, the Western church in general has a problem with is we have the desire to be right and we have to be right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a desire to play God, 
um, that's only like that's there's nothing short of that is yeah. like to have the exact answer to have the exact solution. It goes back to the point earlier of approaching someone with a solution driven mindset as opposed to kind of a collaborative mindset. Um, the idea of getting that. And I, I do think that there's almost even Ruby perhaps has the wrong posture um, in her life early on, which mm. is the idea of I have to get all of this right. I have to stand in the gap between these two parties and get everything right. And it, it's that mindset of doing for, yeah. um, and, uh, as opposed to kind of being with, um, yeah. and I think that we, we have a problem with, with reading scripture that way is the desire to, to do for as a pastor is the desire to interpret scripture for, mm. um, and some congregations say, oh yeah, you're interpreting for us. And then uh, until you're interpreting, not as I want you to interpret it. Right. right? right. And then you're just, uh, now you're just meddling. Uh, right. right. Um, <laughs> like, you know. So there's a sense, there's just a sense in which I, I think what, what the next era of Christianity is going to demand of us, this, this, um, this epoch of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, there's this, this book written, Phyllis Tickle, the, the age of the spirit, um, about the, we're entering into this new place where, um, the, the third, um, uh, figure in the Trinity is going to be kind of the one that takes the lead, the Holy Spirit, right? Mm. Um, and the, the center of our lives together. There's a level of uncertainty with the Holy Spirit. And there's a level of like, you, you can't, the, the desire to bling, uh, be right um, and to grasp onto it and to hold it and catch it. That's uh, not going to work this time. Nope. So there's a level of how do you be open and how do you posture yeah. yourself in one, uh, in a sense of we're doing this with yeah. Um, so you're on to something there, man. This interpretation is exhausting if you're posturing yourself of the sense of I have to be right. Yeah. Uh, but it is so fun when yes. it's when it's not when it, when that pressure isn't on. When it's yeah. a matter of um, being with and interpreting with. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. You know. Uh, speaking of, we mentioned questions earlier. You know, it's it's really interesting how many questions Jesus asked. Um, in, in his ministry, you know, he's, he's, come, he's in, in many ways, the Ruby figure for us, or we could say Ruby is the Christ figure. And in a lot of ways, the, 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 uh, gap bridger, um, the, uh, wow, interpreter, good. um, but so much of his teachings were from questions. Um, right, right. and even when he got asked questions, he very rarely gave a very, a, a direct, uh, answer, um, yeah. you know, he would answer with a question or he would answer with a story or, yeah. or something along those lines. And, um, and perhaps because he knew that there was, there was more life and, uh, and more truth to be gained in, um, in, in being with, like you said, right. as, as opposed to doing for in those, right. in those moments. Um, so yeah, the other, the other main thing that I think about when I think about this movie and like, spiritual themes um and uh in quoting the scripture we'll, we'll put it maybe in in harsher terms uh than uh, i think uh, uh, the it's displayed in the movie um but you know when jesus talks about i have come to turn a man against his father a daughter against um her mother you, you know and, and mm -hmm. basically this this idea that um you know I don't think Jesus is saying there that he, he comes to tear families apart, you know, purposefully and intentionally. Um, but I, I think it does get at this meaning that, uh, this podcast was going so well until you brought up that passage of scripture. This first episode, <laughs> we were knocking out of the park and then you got to bring, you got to bring some, 
you know, controversial passage of scripture, something Jesus said to ruin it, Paul. God. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I can edit it out. No problem. No problem. Drop that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, no, that that has come to mean um, that passage is, has, you know, used to be one that, that terrified me. Um, sure. And it, you know, I, I think it, it should uh, terrify us and, and challenge us and everything. Um, but but when I read it, um, as I've grown, um, you know, whereas when I was younger, my interpretation was, oh, no, Jesus means that I can't love my mom. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's not that. It's that um, there should never be anything that keeps you from pursuing um, the path that Jesus is to which Jesus mm -hmm. is calling you, you mm -hmm. know, and because in that path, as he says in John 10, 10 is the fullness of life, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and I am very blessed that I, I don't have uh, a family or many people or things in my life that, that would stand in the way of that. Right. Um, and, and, Ruby that doesn't come, you know, her, her parents were not maliciously um, right. standing in the way of that or, or, or anything, but it, it does, it, it hits on that hard truth that to be and find our fullest selves, to be and find the people that God made us to be, to be most alive, the people that Jesus sets us free to be. Um, we do sometimes have to, um, separate ourselves, uh, mm -hmm. from, um, from, a, from the, uh, roles that we have thus far held and, and let right. the definition of relationships change, you know, that, um, she, she can't continue. She can't be her fullest self and continue being the girl on the boat who interprets. Right. And so right. the choice, right. the choice is either to settle for this, um, mediocre life, this life that's okay. It's fine. You know, but it, it, you know, but, um, but there's yeah. this, this, um, whole other life that's out there, you know, C.S. Lewis has a quote about, um, you know, we're such like simple creatures. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but we're, we're content. He says to, um, make mud pies in the sand at the beach mm -hmm. when we don't know what's meant by a holiday at the sea. Um, mm. and mm. you know, I think like about how easy it's been or how easy it could have been at so many different points in my life to, um, to choose a path that, you know, um, didn't force me to do a little bit of separation or a little bit of yeah. role redefining and yeah. um, because it would have been easier because it would have been more comfortable or because I didn't want to hurt anybody or because I didn't want to hurt myself, right. you know, but, um, but sometimes to, to, to taste what the Lord has yeah. in store, we uh, we're called to do that. And, um, and, yeah. and hopefully the people that love us and support mm -hmm. us just like they did in, in, in the movie, um, love us enough that, to, right? to bless us in that so that we're not 
they're we're not turning against a mother right. or a father or, or anything. Yeah. Um, but I I have such great respect for for the people who um, whose parents or whose you know siblings or friends or whoever have not been um, strong enough, spiritually mature enough, whatever to um, to bless them in in their yeah. pursuing who Jesus calls them to be. Yeah, I think that it's uh, there's I had a friend of mine once say to me that the um, you know, a lot of people say like, what's the, what's the number one thing in your life and kind of rank your life. And it's like, well, God, then family. And then, you know, all these things. And he said, that, that's just a dangerous way to look at it. He doesn't, he doesn't agree with that. Um, and, and instead he offered it. What is at the center of your life? Mm. Um, and what is the thing that is central to who you are? And it, it has to be God, right? I mean, we're called for, for it to be there. It's not to say that, um, you know, that family isn't close, but there's a reality, there's just a reshuffling, how you imagine the visual representation of our, of our priorities, mm-hmm. a ranking, it creates a hierarchy, a yeah. centeredness creates yes. this level of balance in the sense of which my relationship with God then informs in my calling and the, the path that God is leading me on informs all of my mm-hmm. other relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not to discard them. It's not to overlook them. It's not to like throw them out or say that they are second fiddle. In fact, the way that I live out my relationship with God is through those relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Through that pursuit of calling. So I hear you on that. And I think that that's that's what Ruby wakes up to in this is that sense of inner, or we see that, you see a reflection of it, echo of it. You see that inner sense of calling. You see that it's not to discard her parents, but it's that calling, that nurturing that she sees that, you know, uh, that leads how she interacts and, and engages with their parents, which they come to to appreciate and love. Yeah. And you, you hope that for everybody, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like she can love them best by, by being her fullest self, by being the person right. that, I mean, she wouldn't be that person without their guidance and without their help, you know, and without yeah. their, um, their influence. So yeah, yeah I, right. I, I like that idea of what's, what's at the center because, um, uh, yeah, the, I don't, the listing does create a hierarchy and the, the center right. is, uh, it can all be, be linked, uh, to God right. there. So, yeah. um, okay. Well, yeah. I, I think, I think we have, uh, uh thoroughly, uh, examined we mind uh, this, this movie, man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we have, um, gotten all nuggets of, uh, spiritual truth out of it. And, um, for now I will say that, but that's how it, sometimes it works. You know, it's like 10 years later in life, you read a book of a different course. time, you watch a movie a different time. And all of a sudden God says something completely different. Of course. So, hey, you, know, uh, you might have to revisit it in 10 years. That's right. Well, yeah. we can set these up on a lectionary style where, that's you right. know, every three years, every three years, um, come back to Dakota. Yeah, we'll come See back to it. This time. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, yeah. So, but uh, we, we don't want to close uh, without talking about whether or not um, this, this movie should be canonized. Should this, yeah. uh, should this be a movie that, oh, yeah. um, that, preachers uh and, and and pastors ministers teachers whoever uh can go to for a is this a surefire um uh go to uh, movie for uh some spiritual truth if you need to help prove a point you know paul if i were um if i had been in any of those councils that determined what was in scripture if, if we're kind of equating it to this this would be, I would be coming in with this as a, as a number one. And I hate to say that on the first go round of this <laughs> show, because it's like everything else is going <laughs> to not live up to it, but it has been such a, a powerful movie for me over the past three months, I guess, since the first time I watched it, four months since the first time we watched it, that I have to say this absolutely belongs in the canon awesome. of, of, um, of movies that pastors should use 
families should use or families um, uh, should use in, in understanding um, how God can speak in different ways, right? Absolutely, how God can speak even if we don't hear it. There you go. I I, uh, go. I uh, completely concur. Yes, to the canonization of Coda. Awesome. So I don't know Great. how's that going to work. Are we going to have like sixty six slots and then? And then, like, we're going to have to start making cuts. Start cutting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if they're apocryphal or not. Yeah, yeah. So, and we'll have some, uh, uh, what, do, what do you call them? Um, like the, the runners up. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, right. Uh, you'll have the, the hierarchy, um, synoptic gospels, and you have right. the other things, the apocryphal texts that are in the middle. Yeah. Um, um, and then, uh, but they're, what do you call it? Like the uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are the yeah. ones that could have gotten in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. The gospel of uh, Peter. The God, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. So, almost. Yeah. It was a squeaker. We were close, close, man. We were close. Not you were quite. almost there. Yeah. Um, well, uh, this has been a, a great first episode, I think. It's been very enjoyable. Um, we want to give a little tease, though, because um, our, our hope with this podcast is not, I think Ben mentioned earlier, uh, that it's to look at movies generally, not just movies. He, he said movies that we love, but he also said movies that we hate. And mm-hmm. uh, so we figured it's only fair that if we reviewed uh, the Oscar winner for Best Picture for this year, that we have to also review the Razzie Award winner for Worst Picture uh, this year which is uh, a little film that neither of us have yet to see uh, called Diana the Musical. Uh, because if, 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 if anyone's life lends itself to a heartwarming, uh, fun musical, it's Princess Diana's. <laughs> oh, that's too dark. So sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sad yeah oh yes yes well uh so so please do join us uh next time as we um maybe have a much shorter episode (laughs) it could be brief it could be brief we might not get much out of it that's right that's right but you hey you never know man you never know this um Mm -hmm. yeah god could have something to say awesome cool hey man man. thanks for this time appreciate it love the movies uh, yep. They're great. Keep watching. Yep. Uh, keep mining. Yeah, we'll we'll catch up next time. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. We'll see y'all later. We'll see y'all.